Overrated Disney films with my friends Darren Lundberg and Rachel Wagner on this episode of the Movies Past and Present podcast. Hello and welcome to the Movies Past and Present podcast. It's July 19th, 2023, and this is episode 109. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. As part of my Disney 100 podcast series, I've been having some fun conversations with friends about favorite and maybe not-so-favorite Disney movies. This episode falls into the maybe-not-so-favorite category. And then I'm joined by film critic and podcaster extraordinaire Rachel Wagner of Rachel's Reviews, along with film aficionado and podcaster Darren Lundberg of NostalgiaCast, to discuss films from the Walt Disney Studios that we all think are maybe just a bit overrated or just rated or valued too highly. So here's my latest conversation with Rachel and Darren. I'm here with my good friends, Rachel Wagner of Rachel Reviews and Darren Lumberg of Nostalgia Cast. Hi, friends. How are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Better now. I know. I, <laughs> likewise. How have you both been? How's your summer going? Hot. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe the temps? <laughs> yeah, it's it's intense. It it's been like great. A... I've, yeah. I've had a really, really fun summer uh, and uh, excited for, I think, August should be uh, should be another fun month so yeah well excellent i just hope everybody's staying cool i at least according to my car today it was 104 oh uh, i don't know what the what the meteorologist people are saying but <laughs> hot day here, here uh, in utah so uh a few months back we did an overrated disney episode so we've decided underrated. to tackle yeah, it's under, be oh, underrated. This one don't do be that. Like, don't yeah, do that no, to us. <laughs> we did an underrated Disney episode a few months ago. Now we're going to tackle an overrated Disney okay. episode. So these are just our opinions, and your results <laughs> may vary, and that's okay. But I'm excited to talk with uh, uh, you two about. We've each picked three films that we feel are overrated. From, from the Walt Disney Studios. And it could be, you know, an animated film, a live action film, or one of the film from one of the studios that, that Disney owns. So uh, we're just going to go in, uh, start with Rachel. Rachel, what is your first selection of an overrated Disney film? Well, like so many things, a, an experience with a film often comes down to expectations. And I think that part of my feeling about this film did come down to the fact that I had very high expectations. Uh, I had really enjoyed The Force Awakens. I, and then I had read the, uh, the novel for Rogue One, Catalyst, it was called, and I really enjoyed that. And that did such a good job of building up Jen's character and uh, and uh, and so I felt like I, I really kind of knew her and 
uh, all the marketing had been really solid. And so when I went to see Rogue One, I was very disappointed. I felt like it was very messy, and particularly when it came to the character development. Uh, and I, I, Jin was, Jin Ursa was really the only uh, character that I felt like I kind of got to know. But even that, I thought the performance was kind of flat and wooden. And uh, I mean, Cassian was a good character, but we didn't really spend that much time with him. Um, I, I felt like I didn't understand Donnie Yen's character because he all of a sudden has the force, but the force, he was not a Jedi and he can be imperious to, uh, to like laser fire. And, you know, he just walks through <laughs> um, fire uh, and is unhurt. Uh, and that's not something that the force really did. Um, before, uh, I, I thought the Forrest Whitaker's character was confusing, uh, because he's like torturing people and are we supposed to like him? Yet he's like, he's kind of the sort of father character for, for Jin. Uh, I, I was, I, I didn't feel like I got to know this sort of group of bandits at all. Um. And uh, so I, I just felt like it was very underwhelming and very disappointing. But I think a lot of other people that maybe had mixed feelings about Force Awakens or were expecting it to be terrible because of the messy, messy shootings kind of came in with low expectations. And then in, in the, the look of it, the, um, the ending battle, I think those things... And the, the emotion and Darth Vader was kind of fun in it. So I think since they were expecting it to be bad, then the fact that it was like watchable maybe made them. But for me, because I was expecting it to be really good, I was disappointed. And, you know, I, I just couldn't believe that we spent all of this time in this data bank. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> what was going on? It was the most ridiculous design for a data bank I could think of. And I don't know, I just didn't think it was that great. And never, and it's got a very high, people say it's the only good one of the <laughs> Disney Star Wars sequels. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't like it. <laughs> what did you think about it, Darren? What was your ta- uh, you know, take on Rogue One? Well, here's the, I, I think it's interesting because it has a different visual language than the other Star Wars movies. I like that it's kind of a boots on the ground type movie so yeah so here are the things that i like i like the boots on the ground gareth edwards he directed uh, monsters before this i think did he do godzilla before this i can't remember he did he did the godzilla movie yeah he has a way of shooting so when you're especially in godzilla like you you got the scale of what it's like to be human compared to these giant monsters and a lot of times in the old godzilla movies you would shoot from like you know mid mid range so you were kind of on the same level as these guys in the monster suits right but in in that godzilla and and monsters before which i think is what got him the job was like he shoots it from the human perspective so there's a definite visual language and there's a language to this one too because you're just boots on the ground and you've got these giant star wars vehicles and so i like that i like that it has um a, a theme of identity um like who is it? The guy that keeps saying he's the pilot. I'm the pilot, right? And it's Jen that's trying to escape her uh, life as the daughter of the, you know, the Mads Mikkelsen character who designed the Death Star. So there, and Andor uh, Cassian, he's he's trying to 
be the rebel or so all these characters are fighting with identity and i like that but then halfway through it switches themes so all of a sudden it's about hope like as soon as jen sees the message of her dad it becomes you know now it's about hope now she's like determined and now she's instilling hope in everybody so i understand what you mean from a messy perspective because for me in the theater i was like well i like this identity theme but then it all of a sudden it loses it and becomes something else i thought that was kind of strange and took me a while to get back but you know i'm not a fan of the if if i'm going to watch star wars not everything has to be skywalker <laughs> <laughs> you know involved right i don't need that yeah um and so i don't i like that it was different and i hate the parts i hate the parts where they have the cameos from those nothings who are in the bar in the first hours they have c3po and r2d2 that show up just so you can point and say hey there's c3po and r2d2 uh, i think the darth vader thing works because if you've got the theme of hope you know everybody's like hopeful and then when darth vader's attacking in that hallway they still have hope because they're still fighting right they're trying to fight to get away and trying for a cause so i like that but i'm just not a fan of the biggest problem with these the disney star wars is that they're not trying to tell new stories it's always so wrapped up in the past stuff that you've seen before i don't i don't need to know how Han Solo got the Millennium Falcon or how it lost that gap in between or for crying out loud how he lost how he got his last name that's so stupid. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So I don't need and like I was watching solo going, I don't need this. Who is this for? This is not for me. And I just I checked out after solo and Rogue One at least interests me because it's at least partially different. It's got like the ground level stuff. But then at the end, when they do the kind of the Death Star or whatever homage, then it has the different visual language of the original Star Wars with the World War Two kind of footage. So it was kind of a good mix of that. So at least on uh, an aesthetic level. I like Rogue One from that perspective. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Stanford? You know, uh, I have mixed feelings about this film, too. Uh, I, number one, I mean, I, I know that there were some serious production problems, right? And, and it sounds like a lot of it was turned over to Tony Gilroy. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. For re reshoots and, 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 and whatnot. But uh, I just remember the first trailer, which I thought was cool. And then... I don't know what footage made it into the final. <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of that footage of Jin in front of the like Tie Fighter. I remember yeah. that specific, but that's yeah, not that in there. Yeah, that was kind of thrilling. None of that made it. It's like okay, but uh, you know, I mean, not that, that. I mean, I know that happens. You know, that, that happens. But that was that was a kind of a little. I guess just 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 for weird. a trailer that was exclusively footage that didn't show up in the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, I thought the idea of kind of it being like a magnificent seven in a way or a seven samurai was cool, but but just as you were saying, Rachel, that it just wasn't executed in a really great way, was it? I mean, we really didn't get to know any of those uh, any of those characters. I really liked Jin. I really liked Cassian and or. And for some strange reason, I really liked the ending, how they all died. I mean, I don't know why. I guess it just seemed kind of cathartic and also just like, oh, yeah, these are the people who perished, you know, um, yeah. in trying to, uh, you know, get to get the plan, get the Death Star plans. But not everybody lives, guys. It's a war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And uh, that scene where Darth Vader comes in. I think it was just pretty thrilling because it was just so fun to see Darth Vader again for me. Uh, Not as a but... whiny teenager. <laughs> <laughs> right. This Darth Vader and his, you know, thinking of killing people. Right. Um, but yes, I, 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 I totally, I totally see what you're saying. I, I, I get, get your point of view. 
Do you guys think that it's just people latching on because it's different? And that's why they're saying, but it, it's different, but it's the same. Like, it's but not so different than it's Last Jedi. I think what I said about expectations really is a big thing here. Like, I yeah. think if people were expecting it to be awful, it's not awful. No. Uh, and so, it, I don't know. I, I really think that makes a big difference here. But I, and and I guess I'm like a big for me, a big enjoyment in most films is does the narrative arc, is it satisfying? Is it something, am I invested in the characters? Am I invested in the story? Even if it's a story that I've heard a lot, is it done well? And other people, they don't mind if a movie is more sort of piecemeal, kind of, I oh, I liked this scene here, I liked this scene here, I like what they're doing there. Uh, and, uh, and so the, part of that is just my whatever my, my brain needs that kind of narrative structure it needs uh like 99 percent of the time i need a story i'm invested in and other people they can they don't need it as much i think that's a really good point rachel and, you know i had not really read any like you had read you know a book and other materials that would support the film and also set some expectations right yeah. about how things were going to go. And then when I didn't deliver, I could see how that, that would be, that would be a disappointment for sure. It's hard to read star Wars material. If they're just going to like uncanonize it and say, Oh, all this stuff doesn't matter. Cause they're redoing everything. Yeah. <laughs> Why right. invest yourself? I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and uh, Darren, I thought I liked your point too, that the, uh, the not, not having a Skywalker story was kind of a plus, right. Or, or just a plus <laughs> yeah. because, uh, th- that I thought was kind of liberating in a way. It's like, yes, let's have some, you know, let's have some interesting uh, stories. But again, this, this, this definitely wasn't a, a perfect film, but I agree with you. A lot of people, I know a lot of people I talked to same thing, just like you mentioned, Rachel, that it's their favorite Disney star Wars movie. So yeah. it's not I, don't mine. Know. No, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't think it's mine either. I mean, I don't, I don't, hate it but but yeah well my favorite if i if i'm just doing disney star wars properties is uh was star wars rebels i really loved that show um but uh but as far as the movies i would still say force awakens is still my favorite yeah i really that's the easiest one (laughs) it's disappointing that they didn't um use it as the catalyst that i think it deserved uh but um and so it's, it's it's a little bit weaker now in retrospect but I still think it's overall really entertaining, solid film. They just did not, they did not have a solid plan for all those movies. It's all, piece, no. like you said, it's piecemeal. It's all yeah. over the place. And it's... I still like the idea of Kylo Ren being conflicted about, uh, about joining the dark side. Like, cause in, he really battles with it. And in all the Star Wars that we'd ever seen up until then, it was very like, cut and dry you're either on the dark side or you're on the on on the good side and and i i liked how you saw that battle i think within him and i just wish that they had done something better with it all (laughs) it's too bad agreed yeah agreed agreed all right well thank you rachel okay darren what's your first (laughs) pick uh of an overrated disney pick 
Well, I, I told I told my wife that I was doing this one, and she's like, "Oh no, you're gonna get people are gonna hate you for picking this one." <laughs> and the, the thing with Frozen is it's 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 fine. Like a, a couple of things bothered me. Is number one, it's not when I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this without sounding like offense, because a lot of people took it as an LGBTQ parable, right? Which is great. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like let it go can absolutely be read that way. Right. But I don't think that's the only reading of it. I think there's a, a you could be ostracized for a bunch of different things. So just making it about that. I don't like it when movies are limited because that only makes it for a certain group of people. I think you can watch frozen and it can be about, you could be like a star Wars nerd. You could be like uh, you know, DC comics nerd, anything like that. And you could just, or you could, you know, anything really, you could be Jewish. You could be a different kind of religion. You could be, it's, it could apply to anything. I just, I don't really like the idea of just making it one thing and making that the parable. Cause it could be more than that. I don't know if that makes sense. So that was one thing. So it just got talked about a little too much. And again, I'm, <laughs> it's fine. Like, that's great that you have that. I, I just think that movies shouldn't be limited in their scope like that. It shouldn't just be one thing. And the other thing, too, I think I mentioned this when we talked before. I'm not a fan at all of the look how clever we are at being clever way of writing. You know, because the, the song, what is the one? See, I don't even know the song. It's like the one that um, she sings with the guy that turns out to be the uh, the bad guy. Love is an open door. Love, yeah. Right. Like how they like we finished each other's sandwiches and all this stuff and all the jokes about, oh, you just married somebody you first met. And it's like, I, I get it. Right. I mean, you don't have to make that your whole person. Just it's like you read. Just tell me a story. I just want to be told a story. I don't have to be told that, oh, this is we're twisting it. Isn't this clever how we're twisting it? It's like, uh, yeah, guys, <laughs> that's not concentrate too much on that stuff. That's why like something like Shrek bothers me or something like the screen movies bother me or um, Last Action Hero with Schwarzenegger is getting a lot of a build up lately, especially because it's like, what, 30 years old. So I don't know. Maybe I'm alone in that, but I just don't like that kind of humor. It kind of off. It puts me off because i again i just need to be involved in a story not in meta jokes so i take it so so original frozen right that's the that's the all right and then it's strange because i think i like the second one better but i don't remember anything that happens in the second one (laughs) i remember the first frozen like I, i can tell you scene by scene by scene what happens but i can't remember anything that happens in frozen i think maybe because it was purposely trying to push like different boundaries or different things. And again, it's, it's fine that you're doing that. It's just it, when there's an agenda to a movie that you're, you're trying to make a statement about things. It's uh, I kind of side eye a little bit, even though a lot, it's perfectly valid to, I don't know. Am I making sense? I'm trying not to be offensive here <laughs> to people that actually oh, yeah, like I this think movie. You're totally making sense. Yeah. So yeah. that's it. It's just, it's a little too much in the zeitgeist and it's not, it didn't break that much ground. It's just a nice little, kind of representation type movie what's your take on it rage yeah i mean actually i thought for i thought for a while that it actually was kind of over hated <laughs> that i mean whenever a lot of people love stuff then there's always that that uh group that says you know you'd see it on lists of like the worst disney films ever <laughs> made and i'm just like calm down it is yeah. not the worst <laughs> but um, so I, there was a side of me that for a while felt like it was almost underappreciated because it was, you had this sort of pushback uh, and, and it did bum me out when you had people giving little kids grief uh, and uh, which they should just be allowed to love stuff. 
and you know i think it, it when i uh when i was little and how many times i watched little mermaid over and over and over and over and over again and i'm sure especially my brother was like this is not that great and uh uh and but you know you just kids should just be allowed to love stuff and uh and if they want to make it their whole personality for a, you know a year or two that's great uh, and that's uh, in my opinion and i know it must be hard for for parents but it's well, just I think, a lot of love stuff. That's how I, I feel. Yeah, I think the thing with all the movies we're talking about is I don't hate any of these movies. Yeah. Like, when we were prepping for Rachel, we were like, I'm surprised you didn't pick Oliver and Company. It's like, well, it's not the totally hated podcast. We're yeah. not like doing that. <laughs> these, these are just movies that I think are, to me, it's like, well, there, there are other things that we could be chatting about. It's not like these, yeah. like I said, these movies are not bad. They're just not really for me. And, and the word overrated is kind of strange because it, it kind of implies that, oh, I'm just being the the negative nancy yeah. kind of thing right but it, that's no, not I, it and so but so there was a, a while where the pushback was so strong but but i can understand i mean there's definitely flaws in the movie it it they use up uh almost all the songs uh in the first act of the of the movie uh i know some people find olaf cloying i i actually did a whole article on rotoscopers of defense of olaf um, <laughs> Because I think he's actually, it is kind of nice that you have a side character who actually matters to this plot and the script, you know, what he does, what he tells Anna at the end, and you really don't understand love. That is, and it's some, some people are worth melting for, you know, and so he actually Mm -hmm. matters in a way that most of the sidekicks don't. So I appreciate that. And I mean, I think with Hans, we hadn't had the twist villains so many times and I remember being genuinely surprised and now we've gotten it so many times <laughs> that it starts to feel a little bit tired. Uh, I mean, I think let it go. Even if people are sick of it, it is an absolute banger. And Idina Menzel is yeah. an incredible singer. I think that it brought Broadway to Disney in a way that we hadn't quite seen before. Uh, in the, especially in um, uh, the, uh, like the, um, the reprises, uh, some of those things feel very, very Broadway in the way that their voices are used. And, and uh, so I, I really love, I love it, but I understand that it was definitely, there was a lot of exposure. It became like a whole brand in and of itself uh, for Disney. And uh, there's, if, if there's any people that know how to, how does it ring every last drop out of something <laughs> it's disney yeah. uh, so i get yeah. it i get it but yeah, yeah. I, I do too uh frozen is a film I, I i liked a lot and maybe for different reasons than they have been uh stated i, I just think it's this this is a solid musical and i and i enjoyed the fact that the main relationship was was between siblings right. uh you know i thought that i i thought that was unique and different because you know we've been reading for years that disney was trying to work on a snow queen movie and yeah. uh i thought they ended up with a really interesting way to do it so so uh that that was fun for me i think i appreciate what you're saying too rachel probably if anything that was most frustrating to me was just kind of like this frozen overkill like yeah. so many products and it was just it invaded the theme parks you know and all yeah. this stuff Almost kind of after the fact, they're like, "Oh my goodness, this thing's really popular. <laughs> you know, we should come up with some stuff." Uh, and and boy, did they ever! I remember walking into Walgreens at one point, like six months after the movie, and uh, 
just I mean, they had just like the most ridiculous products there at the door, you know, like a frozen, um, you know, electric blanket or just some different things. You're just like, what? Like, who's, <laughs> you know, who's licensing this kind of stuff? <laughs> but, um, and it's, and uh, yeah, I think this is the frozen phenomenon. Isn't it interesting? It's like you're talking about Rachel, though. It does kind of bum me out, though, when something is really popular. Then this group has to come in and just try to rip people apart for liking something. And that that's, I think, kind of the sad part of human nature or social media behavior or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Especially for kids. Mm-hmm. Kids yeah. should just be allowed to love things. Well, again, yeah. as an anthem, it's important. I don't that's the of all the problems that I talked about, that's one that bothered me the least because I like that these that people have somebody they can look at, like can look at Elsa and say, That's me in a Disney cartoon right there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that and that's great that's my that's the least of my problems with it again it's the the look how clever we are about being clever kind of stuff but you're that's right fair. it's like they are they they because it was an anthem disney's like oh we can milk this for all it's worth and it, it just became too too much in the zeitgeist where it was like whoa like <laughs> it's not you, you know like you said before it's like calm down it's like it's not the greatest thing it's not the worst thing but it's not the greatest thing ever yeah. it's Again, it's very valid and it's it's worth its weight in the representation that I had. All right. Well, uh, my pick, my first pick for the most overrated Disney movie, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this. So, sorry. <laughs> Stanford chose it, violence. <laughs> it's Lilo and Stitch. Uh, mm-hmm. I There's some stuff that I really like about this film. I think that the animated... Uh, I think the, excuse me, the watercolor backgrounds mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. film are just beautiful, you know, and, and I think the character designs are interesting. Um, I really like the Ohana theme. I think the relationship between the sisters is, is very, I mean, speaking of sisters, right. Or siblings in a, in a Disney film mm-hmm. is very interesting and kind of uh, heartbreaking. Um, but, but I, you know, I like, I love the Hawaiian roller coaster ride. I think the Elvis Presley music is a kick. Um, it's for me, it's it's the aliens and Stitch's behavior and then Disney's marketing <laughs> of it all. So I don't know if you remember back in 2002 when, when this film came out, but Disney was marketing Stitch as a character as like this, you know, I mean, Stitch is this smart ass, right? This is really yeah. naughty, naughty creature. You weren't a big Mischie- fan of the, mischievous. the castle? And, <laughs> well, yeah. So So, so the the posters and the trailers, you know, like uh, Ariel is 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 on the rock singing her part of the world reprise or part of your world reprise, and as I recall, like Stitch comes up and kind of like attacks her, or pushes her off the rock or something, and that's what the trailers were. As Stitch was coming into these these well known animated sequences yeah. and wreaking havoc, and then I think you know they chose to do this at Walt Disney World. They didn't do it. I don't think they did it at Disneyland, but. Yeah, when when the film opened, they TP'd, or was it when the riot, when that Stitch, that horrible Stitch attraction? Did any, did any of you have the misfortune of going on that Stitch attraction <laughs> no, at Walt Disney no. World? I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay, well, let me tell really you, I'd be though. grateful. So uh, it, it it is in the place of what used to be the Mission to Mars attraction, and at one point when when Disney remodeled their Tomorrowland in Walt Disney World, the you know, Magic Kingdom Walt Disney World, which I think was maybe in 1994. Don't quote me, but I think it was that was around that time. 
they did this attraction in conjunction with George Lucas called Alien Encounter. So Mission Mission to Mars back in the day, and I think it was initially was like, you know, Mission to the Moon. It was uh this it was weird. The screen was on the floor and they had they had banked seating in a circle, and I don't know how many rows, like six to eight rows or something. And so you just sit on this chair and you'd look at the screen and the screen would show you the perspective of like it was the bottom of the rocket. And as you were going up into space and then the seats would rumble. So it was, it was low tech. I remember as a kid thinking it was cool, but I was, you know, I was a little kid, right? I was eight years old or whatever, writing it. Then alien encounter came around and what they did was it was the same sort of format, but in the center, rather than a screen on the floor, they had an animatronic that would come up at a certain point in the show. And it was this horrifying creature, almost like alien from, you know, really the really Scott alien movies. It, they weren't using that IP, but that was kind of the idea that hmm. you're on the spaceship. And then this alien gets loose. So the lights go out and you're in this. So you're sitting in your chair in the chair and, you know, this in the circle and they've had this, they had this technology, um, so, you know, the in roller coasters, some of like, uh, for example, California Screaming or the Incredicoaster at California Adventure, how you pull down that shoulder, that's that uh, bar. It's uh-huh. kind of that U-shaped yeah. bar that you pull over your shoulders. You know what I I'm probably not explaining that very well. No, no, no. You, it was something yeah. similar to that. And but it had speakers in your right by your ears with that thing that you pulled down. So you're trapped in your seat and then you got this thing and it had all this kind of 3D RL sound effects so you you couldn't see anything because the room was pitched back but you'd feel like the the alien in your ear like you know kind of breathing down your neck and making all these noises so it was kind of it was it was so scary that they finally they removed <laughs> it <laughs> and replaced it with stitch so you'd have this quote-unquote stitch encounter so stitch is the alien rather than you know the scary you know the terrifying alien it's just like me you know stitching his little and with all of his legs and then that little spaceship that he uses or that outfit that he uses when he escapes from mm-hmm. you know prison and out in space at the beginning of the film and then you get stitch burping in your ear and then they would put like hot dog smells or something i mean it was so stupid and <laughs> i hated it so much i only went on it i think i went on it twice I just thought never again. And thankfully at some point they've closed it. And now the, the building just sits vacant. Who knows if they'll ever <laughs> put something in, but obviously so anyway, a very popular ride. <laughs> and you're, you're nice to listen to me blabber on, but uh, it all adds up to me hating. <laughs> I really don't like that film. And after a recent rewatch, I think the, the most recent time I watched it was with, with uh, when Rachel, when we did our, uh-huh. you know, our Canon, uh, re-review uh yeah it was pain- painful for me rachel so, was sorry. he just was he just yelping and groaning the whole time you were watching it or what was happening <laughs> i this is a movie that i yeah i didn't really care for when i saw it in the theaters it was just so downbeat to me i mean everything is just i feel like they go too far when they destroy the house and it's just like boy these people can't catch a break and it just <laughs> feels depressing yeah to me, but I do like it has grown on me a little bit since then. Um, I I do appreciate the fact that they make Lilo a really strange little girl. Like <laughs> she's just odd. Uh, like her taking pictures of 
from people and like, and her, her weird dolls. And I mean, just, I kind of like that, that they make her very strange. I, I definitely can relate to the relationship between Nani and Lilo because, you know, I had much younger siblings uh, that I had to be kind of mini mom and not as extreme, obviously, but, uh, but yeah. And, and David is a hunk. I mean, yeah, so I like that. And I love Hawaii. Uh-huh. I mean, and uh and yeah the music hawaii and, the setting is so great yeah uh and so it has enough heart that overall i i would say it's a good film but it just i just feel like it goes too far when their house gets destroyed and just like oh my gosh this is just so so downbeat they're already orphans i mean come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> people catch a break um, so that's my kind of problem with it. Well, I don't feel think, that Stanford has has dived as deep into the, that I as much as I want to hear about why you don't. Like yeah, I've got more so to talk I, about the film. I, yeah, I want to come back to that. But so my history of Lilo and Stitch is strange, and, and again, I hope that uh, Nicole and Caroline of the Defining Disney podcast that we're mutual friends with. I hope they don't listen to this because I know I that's... know because they, <laughs> they love it. Isn't it their favorite? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've chatted with them about that before. But uh, my first experience with it, I think it opened the same day as Minority Report. And you had like, um, oh, yeah, like, I think you're, you're right. This Barbie and Oppenheimer kind of uh, feud. It reminds, that's, it reminds me of that because I remember for the first time, Disney, like constant reports of, oh, Lilo and Stitch made this much more than Minority Report its first day. Oh, Lilo and Stitch made this much more in its second day than Minority Report. Look how we're beating Spielberg. And I'm like, what are you, what is this? Like, why, why are we, why is this being advertised? Yeah. Um, and so when I watched the movie, I, again, I had a grudge against it because it's not the Minority Report's the greatest movie. I just thought that that was a little off-putting. But the movie is, it's surprising because it's so downbeat. I think that it's interesting because uh, Lilo is obviously, something's wrong with her. She's suffering from PTSD. And so is Nani. They've been through some serious trauma and it's, it it is manifesting throughout the movie and you can see that and it's uncomfortable because you're not used to that in a Disney movie. You're just used to, um, to kind of jump ahead a little bit. You're just used to evil stepsisters and evil stepmothers. Right. Right. But you're, I don't know. I, I like that aspect, but you're right. It does lean a little bit too heavy into it. There's literally a part where Lilo, where Stitch uses Lilo as a human shield so that the, (laughs) the aliens can't shoot her or he tries to drown her later. And so there's a lot of uncomfortable stuff. But so in a way, and again, when Nani sings Aloha Oi to, it's so sad because they're literally saying goodbye to each other. They know that they're going to be ripped apart. And it's for a Disney movie, it's so just, what's spiky, I guess is the word that I would use. And so that's why it sticks out. Although I, I do agree, I think it's a little too much, even though that the Ohana is the heart of the movie and does come back to that. And I do like the Hawaii backdrops. And so it's it's not a forgettable movie. I just think that I understand the pushback that I've heard so far. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you both for, I appreciate your, your, your comments on it. And I, and I agree. Uh, honestly, and for, for me too, the big things that drive me crazy are the aliens. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think Kevin McDonald, who's the voice of Pleakley, he's a funny, I think he's funny. You know, I love kids in the hall and I think he, he's just got such a great voice, but just from the get-go when stitch stitch escapes you know from prison and is just being stitch and all, all you know all that whole stuff with aliens and every time they show up 
but you know here and i know in a way they kind of i mean they're the comic relief in a way of the you know these very serious things that we've just been talking about but to me, it just it doesn't work. It's more like, oh, please, you know, when is this movie going to end? Because, again, we've got this very depressing story. And then, for me, this comic relief that just was just annoying. And, sorry, <laughs> I wish I could think of something more, you know, <laughs> eloquent to say. Well, if, if it <laughs> doesn't like, work, it doesn't work, right? It didn't work for me. For, that's that's for sure. And even with some rewatches, it's just like, oh, if I have to watch Lilo and Stitch, I guess I can put through it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then just then all the bad memories come back of the of the the marketing campaign, which I thought was so stupid, and and uh, and then toilet papering uh, Cinderella Castle of Walt Disney World and spray painting. I mean, I know it was all you know temporary, but it's like really. Well, if we get terrible... one thing from this podcast, is that Stanford holds grudges. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anything else we need to talk about? Lilo Stitch? Did we? Did we? Uh covered okay anything else you'd like to say yeah i think we got it okay so let's move on to our second choices rachel what's your next overrated disney movie right this one i did not talk about in the uh, group chat so this a little bit oh you're gonna surprise us oh yeah and this one technically critic wise isn't well loved it didn't have that good of a response from critics but it's so well loved by the fans that, and I just never understood it. I gotta say, Hocus Pocus is, <laughs> I just think, so overrated. I think it's frustrating because, like, if I were to see it, I would just be like, it's fine. Like, I don't hate it. it like, it's like an average Halloween movie, I guess. But, like, it is everywhere. If you go to Disneyland in the fall there is just nothing but hocus pocus you would think it was the greatest movie ever made <laughs> and i mean they even have a whole fireworks show it's just a hocus pocus fireworks show it's <laughs> just like it's not that funny i think the whole like singling out the teenager for being a virgin and having to do a weird thing is just strange I I mean the ladies are camping it up and it was certainly better than that a terrible sequel but I don't know. There's so many great Disney Halloween movies and why this one was the one that was picked. I mean, I think Frankenweenie is a better movie. I think that Don't Look Under the Bed is a better movie. I think Under Wraps is a better movie. I think The Phantom of the Megaplex is a better movie. I think that uh, Something Wicked This Way Come is a better movie. I think Watcher yep, in the Woods is. is a better movie. I could go on and on and on. There are so <laughs> many. I think that... That, Halloween uh, Town of all things is better than Hocus Pocus. Yeah, right. <laughs> Three out of four Halloween Town movies are better than Hocus than Pocus. Focus. I, I think that um that uh um that some of the I mean I, I think even some of the old classics have better scares. You're if you're talking Pinocchio or you're talking about um uh Mr. Toad and and um, Ichabod, like that's better. I, I don't know, I just it's just not that funny. It's not that clever. I don't like the virgin shaming. I I don't think, I mean, the three ladies are good, but I don't think the kids are good, like at all. Um, yeah, I just don't get it. I don't understand why it is so beloved. And maybe it's just because I didn't watch it as a kid. I would put Return to Oz, which I don't even like. I would still think, I still think. Oh, yeah. Better. 
than uh, than hocus pocus. I just don't understand why it is this phenomenon. <laughs> I hear you. I agree. It's not a film I care for either. I saw it in the theater, you know, when it, when it came out, and I remember thinking, well, it also, you know, it came out of the summer, which is also what they're doing to the Haunted Mansion movie, you know, this comes mm-hmm. out next week, you know, mm-hmm. like, shouldn't this like be like a fall movie? I mean, just anyway, like, yeah. seems very Halloween, but anyway, oh, we'll go into that, but that seemed weird to me, and then, yeah, I just never could understand its cult status, why... <laughs> So many people liked it, and yeah, like it's always the like theme park shows, just all the stuff you're saying, Rachel. I rewatched it because I, I, it was for me, it was one and done. I saw it in the theater, and I haven't seen it since. Even though I know it gets played a lot during like the month of October on Disney, you know, cable networks and whatnot. Uh, and then I watched the sequel, and you know, the actresses give it their all, but holy, cow. I mean, they just had, they, as you said, they so can't up. That was the perfect way to say it, Rage, but. uh Oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's very, me- very mediocre to me. And, and I'm with you on all, all your points. What I, do you think, Dare? I try to be judicial. I try to be like in the middle. Like I, I don't like judging people if they like something or don't like something. And by the time I saw Hocus Pocus and just again, Rachel, you talking about how everybody was just loved it. And you look at like the what Kenny Ortega directed. And I'm looking at the yeah. poster right now. Drew Struzan. Wrote, they did the poster for this it's like indiana jones level like poster making You're and just so like what when you watch the movie i'm like what what <laughs> like I'm, I, it's just not for me i don't like that parker and midler and najima are just making stupid faces for the whole hour and a half and they mm-hmm. think that's funny and it's just yeah, you're right the virgin stuff and it's the main thing is that when you we talk about overrated i seriously somebody will talk like highly about this and i'll be like uh I struggle. Like I struggle to understand why it's so highly praised because it's just not my thing. And I guess I just don't understand why anybody else would, would feel different. It's, 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 I struggle with it. I don't like feeling this way about it, but I, the the sequel was something I didn't even bother with because why would I do that if Uh, I didn't like the first one? You know, Darren, you made a really good call because it's (laughs) terrible. And it's one of those things. It was like, you waited this long to make a sequel and it's this terrible. It's literally a 20 minute, scene where they're just like ambling around walgreens and walgreens oh making up frozen merch why <laughs> <laughs> yeah why am i watching commercial for walgreens in the middle of this movie it's... how hard up is disney for money they, they're big like i mean it's a big property that mm. they have to i don't know it was it was bonkers. the whole thing it's yeah <laughs> it's it's that's excellent pick that's just a lousy movie <laughs> and i mean and people would say oh it's technically not overrated because it it has a i think a pretty low rotten tomatoes uh critic score but it's just the fandom around it i just don't yeah. understand i guess it's one I'm of those movies that you have to <laughs> you have to have been introduced to it at a particular age as a kid, as a kid yeah, yeah. after yeah. bashing your head on the sidewalk <laughs> for five minutes <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <me>. <laughs> But all those movies I listed, those are actually good Halloween movies. Yeah. No, seriously, yes. a cult following. You know, thrilling and scary, but like the the right kind of scare. Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Darren, what's your number two overrated Disney pick? 
Well, again, I'm trying to pick ones that I don't hate because I think that's a different, <laughs> completely different podcast. Yeah. And yeah. during our again our chat before, like I was gonna was gonna pick. You know, you 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 chose a, a live action one, Stanford. So I'm like, well, I might as well pick one. And like the one that I, because you both know that I I don't watch those things. Like I gave up. Um, we'll we'll talk about one a little bit later, but. I just don't they're not my thing like the Beauty and the Beast remake was one of the most excruciating experiences I've ever had in a theater because I don't I don't want to sit there for two hours and go why did they change that why did they move this why did they add this it's it's not my idea of a fun time right I and it's very cynical the way they're remaking it so when I I was really going to do Maleficent because I really hate that one I just don't like the message of it and the feel of it and just you know men are all Men are terrible. I don't want to not, not get that across, but just the, a whole movie just bent on that. And they yeah. they took my beloved uh, three fairy fairies and they turned them into oafish. Turned them into idiots. Yeah. So, so I was going to do that, but then I was surprised when, oh, people actually don't like it, right? Even though there was a bunch of... Uh, you know, praising of it. So when I talk about live action Disney, like when I talk with my wife or talk with my friends and I'm like, I hate those. And they always go, well, you like Cinderella, right? And I'm like, well, there's a difference between it just being okay and liking it. I think Cinderella yeah. to that, which is the one I've chosen. And it sounds weird because it's not bad at all. It's the most likable, I think, of all the live action remakes because it doesn't stray too far from the original theme. It doesn't have an agenda. It's not trying to twist things to make it, oh, we're doing like a different perspective of it. And what, But it's like an innocent fairy tale. Why do you have to do that? It's a fairy tale, right? So when I say it's okay and I don't mind it, that's not the highest praise I should be giving a movie, <laughs> right? It's just yeah. not offensive. And I, I like that it, like I said, I like the uh, have courage and be kind. I really like that message. I like that, you know, it, it does, they kick the mice out, obviously, because you can't, have cartoonish stuff in a live action remake for some reason, which kind of negates the whole point of the cartoon because that's what you go for. But I like that Helena Bottom Carter comes in and kind of adds some levity. Kenneth Branagh's direction is fine. It's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with the movie. I just think that this should not be the high point. <laughs> a movie that's okay should not be the high point of of their particular franchise. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't I don't really have anything negative to say about it other than the fact that. Just because it's okay does not make it good. Well, I think what one thing that helps that movie is that Cinderella is so ubiquitous that we're not like as tied to the particular Disney yeah. uh, retelling of it as we might be with Alice in Wonderland or you know some of these other stories or Pinocchio or something like that. And there's been lots of versions of those, but but we've had so many different versions of Cinderella. Badabri seems like every two years we get a new version of Cinderella. And, uh, and so I think that helps it quite a bit. Uh, I also appreciate that, that they weren't apologizing for the animated film and, yeah. uh, in it, and they just kind of did their own thing. Whereas a lot of these live action remakes, uh, it feels like they're apologizing for <sighs> the, the flaws of the earlier films and, uh, and, that makes me crazy. Oh, yeah. I, I hate that. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Same. Uh, Darren, I really appreciate your rational analysis of this. Because, uh, you know, I'm with you. I, don't, I thought that the Cinderella was competently made. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as Rachel said, too, there's just, it's, 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 there's so many Cinderella stories out there that this just seemed to be like another one, you know, that was, that was nice. But 
like why you know like why why are they doing it in the first place Mm. Uh, i'm with you on beauty and the beast that was torture you know i've seen it once in the theater i hope i never have to sit through it again let's pick pick actors that don't sing in our ranking we were like we would rather watch anything (laughs) yeah Yeah. I think it was Descendants three or something like that. Like, we <laughs> Holy cow! Put yeah. Oliver and Company on. I'll watch that over the Beauty and the Beast. Really At least would. it's got that one Billy Joel song. In it. It's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did uh, a whole video on my channel of uh, I think it was an hour nitpicking all the things yeah. I didn't like about the 2003. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean. It's uh, that's the thing with overrated. This is it's not necessarily bad. It's that it's overrated. <laughs> Just because you have the least amount of problems with something yeah. does not make it good. does not make it good. Yeah, uh, yeah, exa- exactly. So this was a tricky one for me. Uh, I actually picked a whole genre. I don't know if you call it a genre or a label of films. <laughs> <laughs> but I picked all of Disney nature, uh, all uh, all the films that they've come out with. And I'll, let me explain it again. I'm going to get a problem. Why, Stanford? Why? Because I, <laughs> I hate animals. No, <laughs> no, he says as he's not... wearing his fur coat and wearing his <laughs> right, seal. Exactly. My, little, <laughs> seal my, my, yeah, <laughs> seal. <laughs> it's my alligator belt. Uh, so, oh, no. uh, so um, the problem I have with these Disney nature films, so... It should also explain one of the many fun things that Rachel includes me in mm-hmm. is an annual ranking of films from the Walt Disney Studios. Yeah. And it's fun for me because it helps, you know, I can see all the films that were made because sometimes, you know, you, you just see, you miss a film, right? Or something. And this is where, you know, you have to find it and watch it. Um, but, you know, sadly, you know, Disney since, um, I think in 2008 has been cranking out these nature documentaries under the Disney nature label. And they work with a lot of really talented nature filmmakers. I mean, the cinematography is stunning. And really what I should do is just watch the films on mute or put some music on that I would enjoy. <laughs> and then just watch the stunning cinematography. Because what drives me crazy about them is the, the narrative that they put with it. So I think, you know, in order to try to make them interesting, they create these stories, you know, typically about a, a like a family or an, you know, an individual, you know, some kind of individual animal and to make, you know, to bring in some, some pathos or some interesting drama and, um, you know, danger and different things. And you just, I just want to like poke my eyes out. Uh, <laughs> I think the one that probably killed me was that the last one that they released was in 2022. It went straight to Disney plus it's called polar bear. So bad. That one was so bad. It was so horrible. The story (laughs) that they're telling about, you know, the mom and the little bear cubs and all the predators and all the stuff. And you're just like, they can't take it. (laughs) So, so anyway, uh, and I mean, and uh, you know, to be honest, I really am not a huge, I respect nature, but I don't necessarily love it. <laughs> I mean, I love, I like, I wish I had a dog. I love dogs. I had a dog was a, you know, as a kid, you know? Um, but even then I'm like, Oh, I don't know. 
that made the difference with polar bear for me because i i don't mind these that much but what made it so much worse to me than the others was that it was in first person uh the narration so it wasn't just like sally the chimp is you know it wasn't just like really sad today (laughs) it was like this is the best day of my life i've never had what i know i remember sending a message to rachel just like what is happening this movie (laughs) so anyway i'm sorry to be such a curmudgeon but the disney nature films i just i just i just can't take and i think i don't think they're necessarily you know humongous hits but i think that they you know they they've built a pretty consistent brand uh and you know they typically open up the films on Earth Day in April, mm-hmm. and you know and I like that. I, res- I I respect that, but oh, I seriously, I I don't know if I watch another one without just putting it on mute. And I definitely wouldn't go see it in the theater. If I, you know, thank goodness for Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't mind them. I think that for what they are, they're usually pretty short and cute and. Uh, I, I, the one with the bugs was too much for me. That was boring. Uh, but I famously uh, gave two of them higher scores than Star Wars um, <laughs> in our rankings. Go rage. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> they should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> the, penguins, the penguins one, which is one of the better ones, in my opinion. But uh, I do like the chimpanzee one. I think that one is fun because they allow the uh, the uh, filmmakers to be genuinely surprised by what happens because you have a male, uh, you have a chimp that loses his uh, mother and they think is going to die. And a male chimp takes over the care of the little chimp. And they're like, that never happens. That's not a thing. And they even interviewed Jane Goodall and they're like, she's, she's talking about how surprising it is. And so that to me is probably the best one. Although I do also love the Flamingo one. I think it's really good. Um, they have this like super cheesy narration on it where it's like, they set it up. Like it's, there's the, like, uh, the mythology of the lake. <laughs> and, the, and you have these little, little baby things that they have these salts shackled around their things and they're like running and I'm like you have to be some kind of psychopath to be filming this and not want to help these cute little (laughs) save the animals other than get your film footage (laughs) (laughs) adorable little uh, those are definitely the two best no question Uh, but yeah I mean they are it's nature it is what it is yeah they are they are you know I can't say that I love like the true life adventure or you know whatever the old school disney wild documents i mean they were okay yeah. but those seem almost more like more like vignettes rather than this you know an hour yeah. and 10 minutes of following a polar bear's moods or whatever you know <laughs> oh my gosh that's horrible well these Let's... nature things are a dime a dozen right like you don't have to watch the disney nature ones because you there's like what like fifteen thousand penguin documentaries fifteen thousand. Oh, yeah. so on cable I, tv you know yeah, right? yeah. you just you just go to yeah i Animal haven't Planet seen or... I, I know that i watched um 
the panda bear one because that has Krasinski narrating it. I know that uh, a bears because John C. Riley just get a kick out of just hearing his voice just narrating or or, or anything like that. But and maybe um it's a it's a uh, a plus that I haven't listened haven't watched the polar bear one. But it's like Ooh. why would yeah. I, I, it's like they're gearing these Rough. toward kids in a way instead of it just being so. But not everybody can be Morgan Freeman, right? Not everybody can yeah. have that soft, sultry voice that kind of papers over a lot of stuff like that. Well, so I just think that they're the ones that I've seen are I, I don't remember them, but they all blend together with all the other nature documentaries I've ever seen. So yeah. they're just a non-entity for me, I guess. Well, yeah. and they have A-list actors, you know, that they that they brought in to do to, to narrate. It's just this horrible scripts they give them to read. So I mean, I mean they've got Natalie Portman and as you mentioned, John Krasinski. Morgan Freeman, Tina Fey does the yeah. monkey did monkey. Yeah, kingdom? I didn't like the monkey one is one of my least favorite because it all felt so staged, especially mm. in the whole birthday party. Oh, oh boy, I know. Yeah. I mean, I, I hated the whole thing. It was like, oh, but it's Tina Fey. <laughs> <You> know, <I laughs> like Some Tina of them Fey. feel more legit than that one. That one felt so staged, everything mm. uh, to me. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we'll we'll see you know thankfully there there's not one this year so rachel <laughs> when we do our ranking that'll be one thing that i can be grateful for i don't have to suffer through it. but it looks like there's one called tiger that's oh, come uh, coming out. in 2024 so something to they're really inventive with their titles i gotta say <laughs> right is <laughs> oh. they spend it all you know coming up with a narrative about a family an animal family <laughs> and all their feelings so uh <laughs> rachel final our final round here no. what is your number three uh over a disney film well i did have because i decided to include hocus pocus uh I do want to give an honorable mention to Spider-Man Far From Home, which I think is absolutely terrible. Like, I think it is just, the plot is, I hate it. And uh, <laughs> I think it's really bad. I think it's the worst uh, Marvel movie. And Whoa. I think, I just think it's terrible. But if we're talking overrated, which means it's a movie that people love that I think is like, oh, it's fine. Um, I think that Wreck-It Ralph is the most overrated Disney film. I don't think it's necessarily terrible. I don't think it's bad. Like, I think Spider-Man Far From Home is legit terrible. I think Wreck-It Ralph is, like, average. And people think it is one of the best. I've seen it on many lists of the top ten best Disney animated films, best animated films for people. Um, and my one of my biggest problems with the movie is that they set up a premise that they don't really deliver. So the first 20 minutes or so, yeah, he, you have this character who is the bad guy, wants to be seen as the, the good guy, he's getting tired of it. And they introduce you to all these different games in this therapy session, which is the best scene in the, in the movie. Um, and they take you to this way station in the power strip and you get to see all these different characters, all these different worlds. But then they don't end up actually going to any of them. You get you spend a tiny bit of time in the um, like Halo type place, and then and you spend a tiny bit of time in Ralph's world, and then the whole rest of the movie is in Sugar Rush. And once they get to Sugar Rush, it is completely basic. You know exactly what is going to be happening, and it's done like fairly well with some good emotion. But 
it just is frustrating me because in both Wreck-It Ralph movies, they don't ever really explore the arcade, which is what was kind of promised. And, uh, and so I just feel like the first sort of 20 minutes are the, the, the good part, the, the cream of the movie. And then it just becomes very average after that. Uh, in just sort of a bubblegum pink world that we've seen so many times, similar worlds. We've seen a story. We've seen the liar reveal. We've seen the 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 betrayal. We've seen the the surprise villain. I mean, just all those elements are just totally average to me, and I just don't think it's that great. And if anything, I think the sequel, which people hate and despise. I think it actually has some interesting things to say about friendship and how our relationships have to grow. And I think it, it's genuinely a lot funnier throughout the whole course of the movie. And uh, so I actually prefer it over the, the, the original, which almost nobody does except for me and Stanford. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I just don't think it's that great. And people love it. Yeah. What's your take on, on Wreck-It Ralph, Darren? I like it. It's not again. It's not my favorite. I don't. I'm not going to run around singing its praises or anything. I mean, I I do get it. Like I said before, I get a real kick out of hearing John C. Riley's voice coming out of yeah. a cartoon character. I think that helps paper over a lot of stuff. I like uh, Sarah Silverman's take on uh, uh, Benelope. Um, I like hearing Jack McBrayer. Like hearing uh, hearing Jane Lynch. Alan Tudyk is good. So they're all good. Uh, but it's nothing. And yeah, it's I'm not a big fan of video game adaptations, uh, live action adaptations, but I like that it does have all these little Easter eggs, things like that. I like the idea of, you know, it's I'm I'm not good and that's okay, you know, that kind of thing. I like all those themes. It's got a lot of good laughs. I I really like the um it doesn't get talked about enough. The um score by Henry Jackman, how in Wreck It and the Fix It Feel It's Cruel, it sounds very um sixteen bit kind of thing and then when they go to the halo world then it has that music score that matches that stuff and then when they go to sugar rush it has like the japanese flavored um, so the music matches whatever world they're in i like that there's a lot of variety there but at the end of the day that's really all i have to say about it i don't know if that makes any sense so it's not no, something that totally can, makes sense yeah i can dive into and then the second one i don't hate it i just think that uh, it took me a while to jive with what the message was because it was just a lot of running around and just kind of being lackadaisical about stuff and then i was like well that's what it's like to be on the internet <laughs> you know you're just you're wasting a lot of your time and, and so yeah. you're trying to find your identity kind of so i like that it i like that the sequel took a more adult approach to the more kiddified approach of the first one and i know it gets a lot of pushback but i like all the princess stuff um again when they use the music scores from all their movies when they're saving ralph at the end of the second one, I, I think that's very clever but as as a total i don't uh, and i don't really have a lot to say about these movies that's all yeah i think the, the lego movie does what wreck it ralph kind of promised but yeah. much more effectively like you spend time in the pirate world you spend time in the star wars world you spend time in the you know all those different worlds and you're kind of bumping around all over the place and and uh, you're meeting all these different characters in instead of just in one way station well what's great about the lego movie too it does like you're saying it does the things that this this movie is just content to be what it is instead of like breaking the boundaries or coloring outside the lines in the lego movie i like that you you, you watch it as oh this is just a lego version of all this stuff but then you slowly clock that wait what's going on how come they're on a string how come they're making like weird gun sounds then it eventually dawns on you that oh this is a kid playing 
with stuff. And then at the end, when it turns out that the message is about, oh, you need to have imagination. It's not just about like limiting yourself with toys, right? That's again, coloring outside the lines. That's what makes the Lego movie a great movie versus this. It's just content to be what it is and that it doesn't really do anything adventurous. More surprising, funnier. And uh, just, I just think a better, better movie in general. Yeah. I, you know, I, I agree with Rachel as we, as we've discussed, you know, previous, uh, a previous <laughs> podcast about this, that, that, uh, way too much time is sugar rush and it doesn't deliver on what it's, you know, what the, what that really solid intro, uh, you know, kind of promises or is kind of, kind of sets the stage for, and I'm with you. I, 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 I like the sequel so much better. I think it's so much more interesting. Uh, the theme is the theme is more interesting, and I just think it really lampoons the internet in such a great way. And, and I really and think Disney that itself. you and I are like the only humans. That... I know, I think so too, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. I mean, yeah. there are some bad. Like, the, I do think the YouTube section is is not the best. There's some. It's there's flaws. Oh, like it's not perfect. Movie. Yeah, by any but means. I I do think that overall it's way more sort of unique and it's uh, trying for something. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Well, Darren, what's your third overrated Disney pick? Oh, well, again, I struggled trying to, we're trying to do like, I could have done a star Wars. I could have done another cartoon and just the way that um, the, the MCU is so ingrained in everybody's and they're starting to get a lot of pushback. So the one that I chose, and I think Rachel doesn't like that. I chose this one, (laughs) but the, uh, when a franchise goes on for too long, you start noticing that they there's only so many things that they can do or so many things that they try to do. And so I kind of lose interest in franchises after a little bit because it's like, well, that's it. Like you're just going to keep repeating the same stuff, but which is again, a problem with star Wars. But when I first noticed, started noticing the problems with the MCU, I think in age of Ultron, there's a part where the whole movie is supposed to be about the hubris of Tony Stark. And how he creates this AI that kind of turns into, you know, a a world-threatening kind of event, right? And then at the end, to resolve the hubris, he just decides to do another AI. And this time it magically works. And there's no message. That's no lesson learned. It's just he tries it again and, oh, I'm, I'm awesome. So it works, right? So that was the first time I was like, well, what are these movies doing? How come they're so interested in just... like resetting everything to zero all the time. And the movie that I really struggled with was uh, Captain America Civil War. That was the one where I finally said, I don't think I like these movies. <laughs> and just just to hear me out, I, I think the problem was it takes two characters that I really like and it makes them such, for lack of a better term, it makes them dickheads, right? I mean, they're they're so stubborn and I don't like that Captain America spends all the second movie going, you know, you shouldn't do all this gray stuff. You got to be black and white, black and white. That's what I and But he ends up being a hypocrite because he finds out this stuff about Bucky and then he turns into a black and white part. So there's he becomes the thing that he complained about for the whole second movie. Then you have the Tony Stark character who his whole arc in the movie is he's guilted into creating these accords because there was a teenager that was killed that was brought to his attention. But he has no problem going to another teenager halfway through the movie to put him in mortal danger. I just, I don't understand these characters. And then I don't also understand like in, uh, I know we all have our issues with Iron Man three, but at the end of that, it ends with, you know, Tony has problems with his suits and he, it interferes with his relationship with pepper. And at the end he gives it all up. That's the entire arc of the movie. 
And there's literally a conversation in Civil War that he has with with uh, Steve where he says, oh, I couldn't give them all up after all. And so we broke up. And to me, it's like, well, you just completely retcon an entire movie out of existence. Why did I sit through a two-hour movie to see this arc just so you can erase it? And it's just... I don't know. There's, I just didn't buy and the, the airport fight that everybody loves so much there. It's the equivalent of a, like a slap fight that you have with your brother or sister where there's no stakes. Like at the end, like Rhodey gets hurt, but he's end up, he's walking at the end. There's just, I, I just don't understand why they have to leave you. I don't know. I'm trying to put the, this in the words. <laughs> they, they, they can't leave you with feeling something. They have to leave you feeling happy. So even at the end, you know that they're going to be friends again. It's like, well, where are the stakes in this thing? What's happening? And I think that um, you mentioned Spider-Man, Rachel. I don't like the MCU Spider-Man. I, I like him in this one. And then I liked him during the last maybe half hour of the No Way Home movie. But I don't like that version of Peter Parker. But in, in Civil War, he's probably the most perfect version of, of Peter Parker because he's, you know, he's just so innocent and he wants to help. And he goes out there and he, he gives Tony the, the you know, responsibility speech. And I love Black Panther. I think he's a rootable character. He's the one that actually learns something. Uh, I don't know. I just, there are so many dramatic, it's the dramatics of the MCU that I really have a problem with and i've always had a problem with since civil war it's just i think it just i started laser focusing on all the problems after this movie um anyway feel free to <laughs> feel free to tell me that i'm wrong i don't know it's just well the thing that i would say at least about the characters is that i think that their arcs actually do make a lot of sense because you have just had tony stark create you through his foolish choices you've had him create ultron and and be experiencing all this trauma, this PTSD uh, from what they've been doing in Iron Man 3. And so for him to be in a spot where he wants oversight, where he wants uh, to, to give power to these government entities, to me, it makes sense. And then with, uh, with Captain America, he's literally just had S.H.I.E.L.D. betray him with the Robert Redford character. And uh, so he's, of course, going to be reticent to sign these accords and give his agency over to the to these governing bodies. And so and their conflict and particularly the the conflict over Bucky and his and what happens with with Tony's parents. And that to me gave it like a weight and a heart to their conflict that. Uh, that I think really works well within the film. Uh, I mean, I think that there's it's fair about the stakes with the airport scene. I still think it's pretty fun, but I get it that, that you know, there's not, I mean, nobody dies in Marvel or superhero movies unless you're, uh, unless you're Uncle Ben or the, um, or the Waynes. Uh, nobody, nobody stays dead in superhero movies. So I, I I guess I was able to suspend kind of disbelief in that. Um, and I, I, I think that, uh, these two people that were once allies and they've had these bit by bit sort of transformations into really different people. Uh, and then to see how their friends, which side they kind of ally on, I think is, was, was, was good. I, I can tell you the worst part about the movie, though, is without a doubt, Sharon Carter. We did not need her. We did not need that relationship. Get rid of her. 
It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it went nowhere, right? <laughs> yeah, get rid of Sharon Carter. Uh, uh, but I, 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 I do enjoy it. I think it's a, it's a good movie, and I particularly like the character arcs of Tony and and uh, Cap. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to fight you. On, you know what I mean? It's it's like we're, uh, <laughs> just that's, a different yeah. Perspective. yeah. I'm just not interested. Like everybody's going to have a different perspective on it. And you're right. It's like this is this was just the movie where I it really turned me, and got my radar going. And um, and so and they've had great movies since. I'm not saying they haven't. It's just when when they rely too much on the well. Because the problem with the MCU is more like they raise interesting questions that they're just not interested in dramatizing or dealing with. They bring this up and think, like in Black Widow, you they introduce this whole thing of this trafficking thing and, and torture and brainwashing, and then it ends with, uh, you know, and then they have the scene at the the family dinner, and and it's it's there's a lot of pain happening in and between those relationships. But then at the end, it just turns into a gunfight. Like they they're not interested in resolving they're they're made for 12 year olds but they don't have to to act like 12 year olds wrote it i don't know if that makes any sense so the bucky character it's strange because there's a part where he goes i don't know if i'm worth this steve and i'm like no you're not i have no idea who you are like why why is this whole thing being fought over you that i have no just because captain america says that i'm supposed to like you that doesn't necessarily mean that i need to like you it's just i don't know it's just the drama the dramatization stuff and there's just no follow-through and it's not like I said, there's no stakes in that airport fight. It, that's just the MCU in a nutshell for me. And this kind of epitomizes that. You know, I appreciate both of your excellent points. The uh, uh, One of the hard things for me about the Civil War movie is that, it, I mean, it seems like it goes on much, probably much longer than it actually does, that battle up in that cave between Cap and Iron Man and Bucky hmm. that it's just so horrible to see these friends just taking each other out you know um and i guess that was the point but it sure wasn't pleasant <laughs> you know and not that it needs necessarily needs to be but yeah you bring up you bring up really also you bring up really good points i remember liking the film but personally i like the winter soldier better i guess if i would compare captain america movies but Again, that's just me, and I guess you know, I guess another topic for another day. But. I I like the Captain Americas in descending order. I think that's maybe a controversial. Oh no! <laughs> the first one's my favorite, and then the second one, and then this one. It's just, yeah. I, I all three of them just they they set up. They have such great setups, and the last act is they just drop the ball, and they're just interested in punching each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting. Great points. Well, my final pick is. Uh, the 2019 remake of The Lion King. And this movie made a bazillion dollars. <laughs> and I was completely there's, baffled. There's no hope for any of us. <laughs> I, I just remember we saw it together and I just remember looking at you like, what is this? What is this? I have to interject I... here and you keep saying that you guys have seen movies to get. We have to do that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yes, sure. I'm yeah. so upset. Yes, like, yes, why do you guys yes. have, have all the fun? I'm just sitting here watching movies <laughs> on my TV. What's happening? <laughs> hey, we're gonna be busy calendaring some stuff here, Darren. Okay. So this this film, and I'm probably preaching to the choir. I'll be very, I'm very anxious to get your opinions on it. The, the, the two things that really bug me, I guess, three things. Number one, that it was made in the first place. I mean, <laughs> cash grab. You know, I mean, just like yeah, just just remake itis. And it's that they decided to really do 
I mean, to stick so closely to the script of the original that so close that it almost felt like a shot for shot remake. And I just think what, why, you know? And I think, and then finally here, you know, the CGI strips out all the artistry, I think, and the joy and emotion and the heartbreak of, of the original film, you know, Simba, you know, Mufasa's dead and Simba looks, I mean, it's just this blank faced animal, (laughs) you know? And then, you know, or I can't wait to be King or whatever. I just can't wait to be King. None of the color or none of the kind of the, you know, the whimsy and fun. It's just like, okay, well, this looks like a real animal doing, you know, whatever, whatever's happening here. And so it's basically, you know, emotionless animals with Beyonce. And uh, (laughs) I just, I, I, I mean, I just, I, I hate this film. And, and so I, I, I like Jon Favreau. I, I particularly like the stuff he's doing, I think in the Star Wars universe is pretty interesting, but, and I liked the original Iron Man film in particular that he, that he directed. And I guess that that jungle book, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It, it was kind of interesting. And again, we know, you know, maybe that's another topic for another day, but this, <laughs> this was egregious. <laughs> and, and I, you know, personally, I really do like the Lion King. It's not my favorite Disney film, but it's, I think it's, a, it's a terrific film. And uh, this this movie was just s- such such a waste. What what you know? Anyway, enough of me whining. What do you both think of it? Oh, it's terrible! It's mostly <laughs> soulless, heartless. Uh, it, I mean, it adds nothing new except for realism. And what does that add? Nothing. Uh, yeah, nothing. Beyonce. Yeah, and they literally like. Somehow it's longer, and yet they've managed to take out important pivotal scenes. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, it's just it was just a bad idea. It was a stupid idea. I don't know why people and I and I realized in preparing for the summer box office thing that we did, my friends, that a billion dollars overseas. That I mean, it did well uh, in the states, but it was really overseas. That yeah, uh, I mean, I think that. You know, this recent Little Mermaid was a million times better. Oh, it was I, infinitely better. Yeah, like yeah. I had flaws with Aladdin, but it was definitely better than this. Like at least those movies like try to do something like unique, and I mean, this is just—it's garbage. It's terrible. What do you think, Dare? Well, I'm—I'm I'm gonna be honest. I haven't seen past the first five minutes. Like I—I—I I, I, I swore these movies off after. Um, I think it was Lady and the Tramp. I was like, I'm not watching these anymore. The, the thing is, like, I think Lady the first the, the the thing with with the difference between me and you guys is you're being professional critics. Like, you have to see these things. Like, I don't. Like, that's the part. I I can opt out. I don't have to see a lot of this stuff. I just think that. So I, I watched the first five minutes, and it's interesting as a demo reel. It's interesting as like, oh, look what we can do in CG. And I think that's yeah. what where it should have stopped, mm-hmm. because after that. Again, it, it might be worse than Beauty and the Beast. It's why I just I can't subject myself to it because if they're going to do a shot for shot remake, but like you said, with lifeless faces, because 
their devotion to we've got to make this as realistic as possible. And by that, I mean, the animals can't emote. If you're going through the most traumatic experience of your life, you've got to have something more expressive than just a blank look on your face for the whole movie. Right. And then the, yeah. the Nazi imagery of be prepared is so strong. I'm not saying that I agree with the Nazi. I'm just saying that it's so strong because of what they're saying Scar is up to. Right. And when they were doing that scene, they were like, oh, we can't do this because the hyenas are not dumb in real life. So they couldn't do that because they needed to stay. So they erased the whole be prepared. And now it's just like, what a slam poetry version of it that they speak instead of sing. And so when, when you do that and you're like, Oh, we can't do the animation because it's not realistic. At what point do you go? Well, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe this isn't such a good idea, guys. Why are we just constant warning after constant warning? And then the thing that really pisses me off is that it made a billion dollars so it emboldens them to make even more of these wretched things that's why i picked it it's a billion dollar gross for a movie that no one will remember or talk about in 10 years how cynical is that people are going to go back and watch the animated version i don't i don't understand more than hocus pocus which to a point i'm like okay you can like that kitty stuff these live act i have no idea who these are made why people are enjoying these so much i i don't know what they're for other than just making money and getting more people in the theme parks i just i don't understand yeah i exactly <laughs> I, I could get more angry but i won't <laughs> <laughs> well and i think you, i'm glad you made that point up darren because yeah i think that the 1994 animated lion king that movie's gonna live on forever yeah and this movie yeah it's gonna be forgotten if it hasn't been already and again, the only thing that it added was Beyonce. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the uh, you know clearly they, they they you know they recast it so all of the the lion roles are are uh, are played by African Americans, which is respectable. You know, I mean, again, I can understand why they they'd want to do that. But did they deliver better performances? You know, uh, yeah, I don't know. What is improved? Is there anything that yeah. it improves on? Is there anything that's improved? And I say no. Uh, no. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's uh that's it. And and again, I think too, and I'm I'm a broken record here. The Walt Disney Company has so many resources and so much creative talent. And all they're doing is cranking out remakes of films that don't need to be remade. That's a real sadness to me. That apologize for the animated versions. Infuriating. <laughs> Let's add that to it too. Point paper or lemon juice on the paper cut. Rachel's point. Brilliant point. Yeah. yeah that's so true. So true. Well, we carry on and hope for the best, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was sad. I guess, I mean, I wanted The Little Mermaid to make more more money, maybe, maybe than it did, just because I thought it was so good. But I think the only way that this train is going to get stopped is if people stop going to these films. You know, and, and sadly, you know, The Lion King is probably going to live on in the memories of all these Disney executives for now a long time. Now we're getting the prequel and and the bambi movie which are both the result of this movie so well and then let's not forget the aristocats oh, yeah. by oh, no. Questlove. Oh, i mean around the world 
why. I like Questlove. They're doing, like, they're doing Moana already, right? They're remaking that one? They're doing Moana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just... And, and it's not even 10 years old. <laughs> it's just like, what? Mm. You know, pretty soon they're going to run out of movies. <laughs> uh, you know? But it's frustra- frustrating. Frustrating. But anyway, here we here we are. So... I'm developing a nervous tick from talking about this. I know, yeah. I hate to end on something so negative, but something positive. We can end end the episode on. Other than just my love and respect for you, friends. (laughs) Well, I I kind of, I'm hoping that they, the Haunted Mansion looks fine. Like, I I wouldn't mind seeing that one. I think Um, that's fine. Yeah, Yeah. but it's not because of the strike and because of it's just not going to make any money. Like they, what they posted photos of the red carpet where nobody was there for it. I'm like, Oh no, another haunted mansion movie. That's just going to go nowhere. Like, why don't they wait and put it off a little bit? Nobody will say any, nobody will worry about it. Kind of make uh, let Indiana Jones or elemental, like kind of stew at the box office and make some yeah. more money instead of, I don't know. It just seems odd to me, yeah, that Haunted Mansion is coming out when it is. And then, as you mentioned, now we've got all these other external things that were necessary planned, you know, when they were calendaring these. Yeah. So I don't know if that's positive. (laughs) 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 Well, it's always good to to have some uh, unpopular opinions. I say if if the critic that you're following (laughs) agrees all the time or doesn't agree, if he's just like... I, if he, if just a contrarian all the time, then then be very suspect of either of those extremes. They should, you should want somebody that has an authentic voice and unique opinions, and uh, I think it's important. So, well, I think we came up with a very yeah. I, I agreed. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. I, I I think we came up with a really eclectic group, though interesting group of films. And as I you know I said at the at the top of the show, you know yes. Your results I may vary, listeners. With all your hocus pocus. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to come it. after me for my Disney nature. <laughs> the listeners. And Lilo come, and Stitch. They'll come after me for Civil War, so it's all right. We're all, we're all prepared. We all have got stuff that we're going to get. And hocus pocus. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Are they making an, a third hocus pocus? Is that, am I making that up or did that, is that something yes. that's been and I'm greenlit? just so confused. I guess it's, they didn't have enough, a long enough Walgreens ad. Positive, more time Walgreens. positive energy, Stanford, positive energy. <laughs> they They're going to CVS. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pharmacy's open until 10. Exactly. At Target. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, this is really, actually, this has been a total blast. It is always a pleasure to talk with you both, and I can't wait until we can get together again. Uh, Rachel, where can people find you online? You can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over the place, and uh, you can find me at Hallmarkies Podcast. And Darren, how about you? When you're not busy looking up all Rachel's stuff, you can find me at uh, Twitter at DW Lundberg. Again, Nostalgia Cast got a fun uh, 90 season that we're wrapping up right now. So, yeah, we're having a lot of fun. Come join the conversation. Yeah, Darren, what are some of the latest uh, or what's the, the next film you're talking about? You, you guys do such fun. Well, we just finished, I just finished editing our Shakespeare in Love episode, which I've talked about with Rachel. That one drops tomorrow. We've got uh, You've Got Mail coming up after that and then um we've only got one more 
just a bit of a spoiler we got the matrix and then we're closing it out with our season finale when we're gonna little take a little break and a little breather but yeah so let's see with the rocketeer you just had marianne peluso on uh for one of your rankings we we did that with um uh with her the rocketeer um so yeah just a lot of fun 90s good good fellas we did before that so yeah just check out our feed and there's a bunch of fun stuff so fun and rachel any any particular highlights you'd like to cover about upcoming episodes We've got a bunch of Christmas in July coverage coming up. Uh, oh, actually, I'm not sure when you're gonna when are you gonna air this next week. Okay, yeah, we've got some Christmas in July coverage coming up. We've got the start of Wind Calls the Heart, uh, so that's gonna be fun. I mean, we're we're starting a new ranking series because we're not gonna be able to do the interviews for a little while uh, with the writers and uh, actors striking. Um, so we're doing some ranking episodes. So it's going to be fun over there, but then also, uh, in, um, for, um, uh, for Rachel's reviews, uh, we're going to have, uh, the director Cal Brunker on giving Mm. his Disney top, uh, rankings. Uh, so that's going to be super fun. He's uh, the director of the new Paw Patrol movie. And, uh, and we've become kind of friends over the years on social media. So I'm excited about that. Um, got some really good episodes of Female Film Critics panel coming up. Uh, we had uh, interviewed Laura Gifford, who is the uh, who has been doing with her husband, Robin, is in Massachusetts, has been doing a cable uh, movie show called Reeling Reviews since 1991. Every two mm. weeks, they've almost never missed which is really amazing. So that, that was super fun to talk to her. Uh, and there's a lot of good stuff coming up over uh, on my stuff. So check it out. Any more uh, and just like that rants coming up? Oh, yeah. That's going to be <laughs> happening as well. Rachel, all this, all these, all these episodes that you mentioned are so fun. You're, you're, you're so fun to listen to. I, I, I tell you that all the time. So yeah, please, I'm, I'm here stooping for your show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, That's and fun. you both, you both do such, such fun and varied content. Seriously, thank you so much for all you do because it's, it's a ton of work. And and um, anyway, I think you write a lot of content and a lot of drama for a lot of people. So. Thank you. Thank you to you both. Thank you. And thanks for being on this podcast. Speaking yeah, of <laughs> another great podcast. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, that does it for this episode of the movies past and present podcast. Again, links and more information about the movies discussed in today's podcast can be found in the podcast notes on my blog at moviespastandpresent.com. Subscribe to the podcast where you listen to your podcasts And follow me on threads. I'm at Stanford Clark. As always, I hope you will enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth.